Welcome to Ukulele is the New Black. I'm Meredith Harper and I love to play the ukulele. In this podcast, I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it, and how it's changed their lives. I wanted to play an instrument, because musicians are so cool, and I wanted to be cool, but I found playing an instrument was kind of hard. Samantha Muir is a classically trained musician who had a passion for guitar from an early age. In 2012, she discovered the ukulele and she fell in love with it. Since then, she has arranged and composed a huge body of instrumental pieces for ukulele with a focus on classical and folk music. She talks to me in today's episode about her musical journey, which also includes teaching music, publishing books and CDs, and playing the machette. Enjoy. Ukulele player, introduce yourself. Yes, hello. My name is Sam Muir, um, and I'm a classical ukulele player based in the UK. So, yes, you're based in Dorset, was it? Well, I've just moved, actually. I've just moved to um, Somerset, so I'm now... Somerset? Yeah, I'm in South Somerset. I'm in, I'm in the country, in the, <laughs> enjoying the rural life. Sounds lovely. Yeah. Now, I believe you haven't always lived in the UK, though. No, I grew up in Australia. Well, I was born in the UK, um, but my parents emigrated to Western Australia when I was seven. Um, so I grew up there and um, I went to school in Kalamunda. Hence the connection with Kevin Channel, who I know was on, ah, your, of course. on your show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so that's that connection. Um, yeah, and I, I went to Sydney Uni. My first degree was at Sydney Uni. And then I, I went to the, to London to study at the Royal College of Music. Um, and I've toed and froed a little bit, but basically I've been based in the UK. So what was uh, your first introduction to music then? Um, yeah, that's one of those things that my family often discuss because um, <laughs> although my mum my loved classical music and she played the piano when she was young, um, there was no like there were no musicians in the family um, and nobody really knew why I was just fixated from about the age of five with playing the guitar. Uh, and finally, when I was nine, um, I got a guitar for my birthday. It, it was when my mum realised that I could learn classical guitar that she decided that um, she'd let me have lessons. Because right. she was initially, she thought, you know, she I was just going to want to strum and and be like the Rolling Stones or something. Um, and she was very much a classical music fan. So when she realised I could play classical, learn classical ukulele, that's when she said, "Oh, you can have lessons." <laughs> Oh, okay. And that was so, the condition, though, of the guitar. It had to be classical. Yeah, but that's that's actually all I've ever wanted to do because, um, you know, after a couple of years, my teacher said, well, she sh you know, she should do some chords and, and learn some songs and do some different styles. And so my mum bought me a, a book of Peter, Paul and Mary, and I was I was just, you know, scandalised by this <laughs> pop music. I, I, I'm a classical guitarist. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah. It was quite funny and I think my mum was just really taken aback by it um, and yeah I didn't want to do chords I didn't want to strum I just wanted to play classical guitar that was my my love and so you and you still play guitar as well I still play guitar yes yes I saw on your on your website and then so ukulele when did when did that happen 
The ukulele happened in 2012. Um, it was actually one of my guitar students. She was a music scholar at one of the schools here and I was teaching her the guitar. She was doing like grade eight. She was a really good player. And, and suddenly she, she turned up one day and she said, oh, um, there's a school ukulele club and do you think it's a good idea if I get a ukulele and join? And I was just like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> because, a, you know, teenage girls wanting to play the ukulele, which I just associated with Tiny Tim and George Formby. I didn't know there was this whole ukulele revival and that, you know, ukulele was the new black, exactly. as, you, as you say. Um, <laughs> so I was really taken aback. And But I said, yeah, I think, you know, it'd be fun for you because I knew she liked singing. Um, but then she turned around and said, well, you'll have to teach me because I don't know anything about it. So, ah, so you'd have to learn it. <laughs> so I thought, oh, well, I better, you know, go and find out what, what this ukulele thing is about. So I went to the local music shop um, and picked up a ukulele and it was love at first sight. So that was it. After about two weeks, she gave up. Oh. <laughs> I kept going. <laughs> But you reaped the benefits then, didn't you? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it's, it's quite a good story. She she decided that the guitar was much better, much better instrument. Um, and, and I was just completely, you know, enamoured of the ukulele. And that was it. <laughs> and you also play the, the machete, I believe. I do play the machete, yes. That, um, I mean, when I got interested in the, the ukulele, I started researching its history and I read John King and Jim Trancada's amazing book, um, the ukulele history uh, and of course I learned about the machete and then I looked it up on YouTube and I found Rob McKillop, a Scottish musician um, who I sort of knew mostly through YouTube um, he was playing the machete and so I sent him a message and said you know that's that's really cool that instrument and he, he was like oh do you want to buy it <laughs> so I said yes I bought his machete uh, and then I spent about three months trying to get hold of the the music for machete by Candida Drummond wasn't easy to get. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know what a machete is, but I've never actually seen one. Um, mm -hmm. Not not a real one. So how does it differ to a ukulele? Okay. Um, so the machete is one of the forerunners of the ukulele, and that that's quite important to remember because the it's the the ukulele is a combination of the machete and the rajal, which is a another instrument from Madeira, and they were the instruments that were taken to Hawaii in 1879, um, and and the ukulele is like a hybrid of those two instruments. Nobody ah. knows exactly how that happened, but that's what happened. So the the diminutive size of the ukulele comes from the machete because it's actually even smaller than a soprano ukulele. Oh, wow. Um, but the tuning of the machete is DGBD. So if you think of the top four strings of the guitar, an octave higher, but the first string's tuned down uh, a tone. Does that make oh, sense? Okay. It sounds more complicated than it yes. is. If I had it and you heard it, you'd think, oh, yeah. Um, so the tuning is linear, DGBD. But, of course, ukulele is, um, you know, GCEA, which is quite different also because it's re-entrant. But that tuning comes from the Rajal, which is a five-string instrument. And that is tuned D, G, C, E, A. So they took that fifth string off the Rajal. Oh, okay, and then nice. you get the GCEA tuning. Yep. So yeah. they put the tuning of the Rajal onto the machete, basically, and created a ukulele. So it must have been hard then to find music for the machete, you said. It was. What, what's amazing about the machete, and this was uh, only discovered in the late 1990s, because it was always assumed to be a folk instrument from Madeira and mostly, you know, strummed or used to play like, 
melodies from folk songs. Um, but what was incredible was that this manuscript was discovered from 1846, uh, containing pieces written for the machette with guitar accompaniment by a fellow called Candido Drummond de Vasconcelos. Uh, and then further research revealed that he had been he performed these pieces in Funchal um, and at the Philharmonic Society, and the, the machette was regarded as this high-class, um, sophisticated instrument, and it appeared in these concerts. So it wasn't just a folk instrument played uh, by the country people, it was a society instrument played in Funchal in the concerts and musical soirees and other entertainments. Um, and so uh, th this music was published um, by a fellow called Manuel Marias from Portugal and I managed to get hold of that book. It's not easy to get, um, but it's got all the pieces by Candida Drummond. So I bought the book and then you know started to study the music uh, and that's been an amazing journey because the, the Madeirans uh, saw me playing the machette on Facebook and, and YouTube and I've been to Madeira three times now mm. um the first time I, I took myself there just to you know go and meet them and find out more about the music and then I was invited to record a cd with them um so we recorded music of Candido Drummond and then last year I was invited to go back and do a concert with the um, classical orchestra of Madeira and they'd arranged the guitar accompaniments for orchestra so I played the machette and they had a string orchestra and we did a concert, and that was really, that was amazing. Wow, that must have been amazing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I had no idea it was such a high-class instrument. That's really good, actually, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah, it's, a, it's fascinating, <laughs> and it, it's, it is, it's a fascinating history, actually, to read, you know, reading about Madeira and the, the machete. Um, yeah, I just, I love it, <laughs> basically. Looking on your website, I was actually looking there before you were coming onto the, onto the line, and you've got a huge amount of music and some books in there, which I was flicking through and thinking, ooh, Christmas presents, this is looking good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, when did that start? When did you start actually, I guess, getting beyond the point of just playing and saying, right, I'm actually going to start publishing things? Yeah, um, I started to, when I started playing ukulele in 2012, I, I knew I didn't want to strum. I knew I wanted to play uh, finger style. And I, I found Tony Mizzen's books, um, the Baroque ukulele, that was my first, you know, book on classical ukulele, so to speak. Uh, and that led me to John King's The Classical Ukulele, which of course is like, you know, the, the pioneering book for, for classical ukulele players. And I was really interested in John King. So I started researching him and I found his Nalu Music website, which was is a great resource. Um, sadly, John King passed away in 2009. Um, so he, you know, his contribution was cut short. Who knows where he would have gone with classical ukulele from there? Um, but it was an um, amazing contribution that he made to the ukulele. Um, and so, reading about his journey and how he'd started arranging in Campanella style and arranging pieces by Bach, I was really inspired by that. And I started to arrange pieces from the guitar repertoire by Kuruli, Saw, Carcassi, etc. Uh, and they worked really well on the ukulele. And initially it was just for my own amuse amusement. But I put some videos on YouTube and because people see it and they're like, oh, that's nice. You know, can I have the music? So that's when I started to put together 
ebooks of um, these pieces. So I've got like the little book of Karuli, that was the first book that I did. Um, and I self-published it and I did, I don't know how many there are, there's quite a few now because I just literally kept doing more and more. Um, <laughs> but then in 2017, I started doing a PhD at the University of Surrey here in the UK. Um, I'm so a part-time doing that as well as everything else and the reason for doing that was that I wanted to move on from doing arrangements into doing um, like trying to create a contemporary repertoire for the ukulele um, and so that's what I've been doing uh, since then I mean I still do arrangements because I know you're gonna um, we're gonna play a couple later um, but I've been trying to create new repertoire for the ukulele and so as well as composing myself, I've been collaborating with other composers. And then in, I think, 2018, I was just, I was lucky enough, really, to get in contact with a Canadian publisher called Le Productions d'Oz. And they um, were interested in publishing for ukulele. And I just contacted them, I think, at the right time. And, and they were like, oh, yes, we want to do some ukulele books. So, um I mean, they knew I was studying at the University of Surrey and my PhD supervisor is Stephen Goss, who's a very well-known composer and he his works are published by um, De Oz. So there was that link. Um, so that was also fortuitous. But um, yeah, I sent them uh, the 12 progressive studies. That was my first contribution. They published that and the response was really good. So, you know, I've just gradually been adding to that. There's, I think there's now nine publications, including the classical ukulele method that we did um, just before Christmas, actually, that came out. So with the, um, I don't know, with, as far as ukulele goes with strummers, we know there's millions of people around the world strumming. Uh, how big is, I guess, the classical ukulele world? How many people are doing it? Yeah, it's really, it seems to me that it's really taken off in the last couple of years. Uh, so here in the UK now, I can think of, like, there's two people who are doing it, um, well, actually, I think three people who are doing it, like, really um, intently. Uh, and then there's a, quite a few other players who do, you know, other styles and include classical as well. So there's quite there's quite a collection and then there's there's more there's people in germany doing classical ukulele people in spain i know doing classical ukulele and then people in the us so there's i don't know how many altogether what one of the things i'm doing at the moment is to to try and compile um like a literary review um with a timeline so that we can actually see all the classical ukulele publications uh, and when they were published that's quite a big project because it's yeah. you know it's quite hard to find everyone I don't I'm sure I'll, I'll miss some but hopefully I'll be able to keep adding to that because I think it would be a really useful resource to have for you know for everyone so that we can see who's who's doing classical ukulele and what they're publishing so that's one of the things I'm trying to do at the moment to create mm. a, like a, a database of classical ukulele publications. Yeah, that's a good mm. idea. The world is so big, there's so much information out there, but actually trying to distill it and find the bits you want can be very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah, and we all tend to, like I tend to just be in my, my little bubble, especially, you know, now with, you know, staying at home. Um, all of my teaching is, is online now. Um, and, you know, I had to cancel my tour of Australia and it's just... Is you know I'm just at home in my own little bubble, so we we're not going out and meeting people so much. So I think it's important to try and stay connected with other people. And so the UK is still fairly locked down, I believe. 
Um, well, the UK is a bit crazy here at the moment because there's a lot of confusion. Um, the northwest things seem really bad, and I know they've got um, like localized lockdowns in different places. The southwest, where I am, we have I think the lowest numbers, um, so there's not as many restrictions. But I have to say that <laughs> um, there's four of us here in the family bubble, and and we're imposing our own restrictions. We're not taking any risks. You yeah. know, we're being really cautious if we go out. Um, and as I say, we just moved. Uh, well, four weeks ago, actually, time flies. And that was hugely stressful for us because, you know, suddenly we were interacting with all these different people. You can't avoid it, can you? Yeah. You can't avoid it, but you can be cautious. Like, everybody wore masks. The removal men, they were great. They wore masks, you know, while we were around and then we left the house and let them get on with it because obviously you know cutting furniture around you don't want to be stuck in a mask so we just mm. like, opened up the house and left them to it but they were they were great they covered you know everything with plastic and they se took precautions and seemed really careful so I, I mean generally I find people in this area being very cautious. Well I'm in Canberra where I think people have been pretty good too which is why we haven't had any cases for quite a few months now which is which mm. is good but we're it's still perilously now. close to new south wales and victoria so we still have to be careful <laughs> you have to be careful yeah right. the main thing is to be careful yeah and of course now we're coming into the winter where everybody's going to be inside more um you know and then there's the winter flu a big dilemma at the moment is whether to have our winter flu jab on or stay at home <laughs> So um, with the teaching then, um, doing that remotely, did that cause any issues for you or was it an easy transition? Uh, it was a surprisingly easy transition for me. Um, I'm really fortunate in that I'm, I teach at uh, Sherburn School in Dorset and I've been there for several years and they, they have a very um, active and flourishing music department so it really hit the department hard. I mean, you know, like so many other musicians, but they were very quick to move to online lessons. So they didn't want to just cancel lessons. And even over lockdown, I was teaching remotely. And uh, only one student didn't want to do that. All oh, my other good. students, yeah, all my other students, they were fine. I think, I don't know if it's because it's boys and they seem to really like the the tech and having the headphones and you know, <laughs> the, the, the AirPods. And I think they thought it was quite novel. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I was teaching over lockdown remotely and then this term um, the boys are back at school but the visiting music teachers, we're all still teaching them remotely. So they go to the music department to have their lessons but the teachers are all at home. Oh, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, well that works. That's yeah. Because yeah, I guess too with teaching an instrument, if you're in the same room you're probably going to be in fairly close contact just because you're showing yeah. them how to do things and it makes sense. Yeah, I've actually found, like, my returning students, so the students I've been teaching for a while, that's fine, that's all going quite smoothly. And in a way, um, I find the, the online lessons, their attention is really good. They're really intensive lessons, and some of them are really progressing. Oh. Um, you know, they're really flourishing. But I found, I've got new students, it's incredibly difficult. Like, the first four lessons have been really, really difficult getting them to hold the instrument properly and explain the hand positions because it's quite hard to quite hard to see and to to get a yeah. sense of it you know because it's all it's it's all very strange i suppose yes yeah, so it's all two-dimensional and it's all in reverse mm. um mm. yeah yeah that's not not the same as actually yeah seeing it up close 
Yeah, so that I found that hard with the beginners, but hopefully we're we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so talking about music, then today you're not going to play something live for me because we had a we had some technical issues and and various reasons. <laughs> you had one of those days, <laughs> yes. um, but um, you have sent me some recordings, which I'll just magically slot into the into the conversation, just like you actually played it. Mm-hmm. Now you sent me three, and I had a listen to them, and I really liked the "Leaving on a Jet Plane," which is probably not, obviously not a classical song, but you've got a really beautiful arrangement of it. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that one? Yeah, that. Well, I mean, one of the things I'm, I say I'm classical ukulele, but I love uh, folk music, um, and I love things like Joni Mitchell. And I actually like Peter, Paul and Mary as well. Um, and a friend of mine said, you should do Leaving on a Jet Plane as an arrangement. And I was like, oh, I kind of remember that song, you know, from my childhood days. Um, and I looked it up and I listened to John Denver. And I thought, yeah, this, would, this might work. Um, the range might work on the ukulele. So uh, it was about a week ago, actually. And I, I you know, got on a roll and just um, did the arrangement. It's quite new. Uh, which is probably why I didn't want to play it live because I don't, you know, I'm still tweaking it, so to speak. So, you know, the paint is still wet on this arrangement. Um, But I really wanted to do it because I I, I thought it sounded really nice. So I wanted to share it with you. And also I thought it'd be quite nice to have a, a new arrangement out there so well, that's right we can it's it's a premiere <laughs> it's a premiere yeah. fantastic all right we'll play that one now
So I just love that arrangement. It's, it's beautiful. It really is. Thank and you. And that's a song I, I enjoy singing too. Do you ever get tempted to sing along with your songs or is it always instrumental? It's always instrumental, but I do. I sing along in my head. You know, I, as I'm playing it, I'm singing the words, which I think helps to bring out the melody. Um, that arrangement, I'm actually playing it on a five-string tenor, so I've got uh, low G and high G, um, and I think that works really well for, you know, folk music and also renaissance guitar music i play on that instrument uh, so i do i mostly play the re-entrant tune soprano but i like that instrument as well with the, the mm-hmm. you've got the two things the low and the, the high g best of both worlds yeah that's a great idea I, I must find one of those and have a have a turn on it sometimes it mm. sounds sound great um so you said that you also compose so is it classical is it folk is it a bit of everything that you compose um, I suppose it's classical, really. I mean, I'm trying to create what I would call a contemporary repertoire. I find the word classical is a bit misleading, um, but it's something that, you know, we can all relate to in the ukulele scene. You think classical ukulele and John King, the pioneer. So it's kind of, I like to refer back to him because he, he laid the foundations for classical ukulele. Um, but really it's about creating a contemporary repertoire. For instance, if you if you look up my piece, The Falling Rain, on YouTube, I think that should give you a good idea of, of where I'm heading. So I'm kind of like push, pushing the boundaries of the ukulele. Um, I'm, I'm using guitar techniques on it, but in a way like that is idiomatic to the ukulele. So it's not just about treating it like a, a small guitar, but, to, but exploring the, the range and the capabilities of the instrument. So I use... Campanella a lot because of that um, the high G four string uh, and then I mean there's some strumming in that piece it's quite a big piece it's like nine or ten minutes long and I played that piece quite a bit in Australia last year and people really liked it where whenever I've played that piece actually people have really related to it so I think that's a success um, and another piece which has been really popular is I did uh, a set of variations on a Scottish tune called the Dowie Dens of Yarrow and it's this really beautiful haunting Scottish melody uh, and I played it and thought wow that that's beautiful but it was about 30 seconds long so then I started thinking how can I you know develop this into a piece rather than just repeat it like if you sing it there's nine verses with different words so you can you keep the interest going but if you're playing an instrumental arrangement you don't want to just repeat it nine times because the audience would be yeah. really bored <laughs> <laughs> so I, I created a set of variations on the theme uh, and that's also been a really popular piece with people as well I think that that worked really nicely and I was exploring I arpeggios across the strings and then there's one section that's a tremolo so it's like a four note tremolo which is like a guitar tremolo if you know that the famous guitar piece Recuerdos de la Alhambra with that beautiful rippling tremolo effect so I use that on the ukulele Um, and I noticed that uh, ukulele players usually use a three note tremolo so it was different to use a four note tremolo um, and then I use harmonics, uh, and there's some strumming. Actually, when I strum, now, this is going to make you laugh, but when I strum, I like to use a felt pick. Oh, yeah. Now, I've, I've seen those, and I've never known quite what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, yeah. Um, and I think someone said to me, they saw me with my felt pick, and they were like, gosh, that's what children use when they get their, their first... <laughs> 
<laughs> the ukulele, they use a felt pick. And I was like, ooh. Um, I really like the sound of the felt pick. And actually, the felt pick has an interesting history because it was devised by uh, a lady called Jenny Durkee. And she was a guitarist in, I don't know when she was born, but she was active in the US like in the 19, say 1918 onwards. Um, and she played the guitar and the banjo and the mandolin. And initially she hated the ukulele apparently. And then she decided to try it for whatever reason. Uh, and then became, in her words, a ukulele fiend. And <laughs> <laughs> she did actually play classical repertoire on the ukulele. She arranged um, arias from operas and different things like that. Uh, but she played like a mandolin style and she, she developed this felt pick where you can like go back and, and forth across the strings really quickly to create this kind of shimmering um, chord tremolo, if you like. And so that's where the felt pick came from. So it's quite interesting that people now just associate it with, with children. Yeah, I, I didn't make that association. I, I just assumed it was a different, a different sound. Yeah, it's, and it works better than, like a guitar pick is, is too brittle, I think, to use. The sound is too brittle on the ukulele. It's, it's really, mm, plastic pick doesn't sound very good. But the felt pick, you get this really nice, warm effect and so I found that really interesting just you know to experiment with. Mm. So do you um, collaborate with other the musicians as well? I do yes um, well so for the the um, guitar and machette pieces obviously I, um, I actually often do concerts with um, my student who's now off at uni she's 21 um doing her own thing but she's a very fine guitarist she was the one who wanted to learn the ukulele and then didn't want to learn the ukulele so she plays the accompaniments for the candido drum and pieces and we often do concerts together and include the machette and guitar which is nice mm. as well as guitar duets and we've done a few ukulele and guitar things as well uh, so that that works well I've also collaborated with a number of composers. Uh, uh, Milton Mamakides, who's a senior lecturer at the University of Surrey, he's, my, he's one of my supervisors as well. Uh, and he's an amazing musician and he's really into electronics. And we did this piece for ukulele and electronics called Incited. Um, it was originally written for the guitar and I adapted it for the uke. Uh, and that was... That's on YouTube. That's a, one of my, you know, favourite things ever, this piece. It sounds great, ukulele and electronics, mm. really cool piece. Wow. Uh, so I've done that, and I've collaborated with another uh, lecturer at, U at uni, Tom Armstrong, and we, we um, he used my Dowie Dens of Yarrow variations as the basis for um, his composition, but his composition is for ukulele ensemble. Um, so that's very interesting. I haven't had a chance to do that live because of the lockdown thing, but hopefully, you know, next year that will happen and I'll be able to do it with um, a group, which would be really interesting. So, And a couple of other composers as well, yeah. It sounds like you used to do quite a lot of live performance and touring. Um, I suppose a fair amount. Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's, you know, ukulele festivals pop up all over the place here. Um, and I quite often, you know, get invited to play. And also, because I live, well, I was living in Dorset and now Somerset, they're quite, you know, quite nearby. There's lots of beautiful little churches around this area. Um, and so I really enjoy playing in small venues. And quite often I'll just, you know, ask, get in touch with the local 
parish council and ask them if they're interested in having having a concert in the church. And they're always re- really worried because they say, oh, you know, you might only get 20 people. And I, I'm like, well, that's fine. I'm happy with that. Um, so small concerts, small intimate concerts, I, I really enjoy doing. That's my favourite because I, I can also, I can play the machette, I can play the uke and I can play the guitar. Um, and I think, you know, that's the, and it's very... I know, it's very special to play to small groups of people. Yeah, and you can actually see them too, rather than just being some... You can see yeah, them. Just some weird yeah, black, exactly. light in your eyes, <laughs> which is what happens yes, otherwise. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you're really close to them and you can interact with them. I, I, I talk a lot, as you've probably gathered. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I just I enjoy that kind of informal... Um, I go, well... I don't go to Spain at the moment, but normally I would go to Spain quite often and stay with friends who've got this, you know, beautiful big old villa, uh, and they'll put on house concerts for their friends, and they're my friends now as well. So we have these amazing house concerts again for twenty or thirty people, um, and it always ends up with a, a party. Sounds <laughs> you know, good. With food and, <laughs> and drink, and I think that that's you know you've got to enjoy life, you've got to enjoy music. Um, so that's what I I, I enjoy doing small. Um, intimate concerts is my favourite. I do bigger venues. I've been invited to like the Grand Northern Ukulele Festival, um, but then you've got obviously a big stage and a big hall, and it's a different vibe. Yeah, and a bit more pressure too, I find. <laughs> yeah, more pressure, more pressure, and and harder for what I do because you know classical ukulele. It's it's very it's intimate, and and you want to draw people in to the sound and I don't really like having um, amp- amplification I don't like the microphones oh, okay. and having amps all around me I prefer just to have you know just a, a very plain stage well we might listen to another piece of music mm-hmm. so now you sent me two others and I'm going to ask you to pick which one okay there's um well there's a little dance by Karuli I did this I actually did it yesterday morning um, I came across it the other day and one of my guitar pupils is learning it and I, I thought, oh, that actually sounds really nice on the uke. Um, so it's it's quite simple, uh, but I thought it just sounded really, really pretty and effective. So that's that's the second piece. Okay, wonderful. We'll listen to that one now.
was lovely. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I think we might be up to the to the final question, mm-hmm. which is how has ukulele changed your life? It's um, it's really changed my life actually because before the ukulele, I was you know just teaching the guitar, maybe do one or two concerts a year, but very you know small informal concerts, uh, and I wasn't doing any arranging or I've composed a couple of pieces, but I wasn't really pursuing that. Uh, and I definitely wasn't pursuing any academic studies. So the ukulele has completely changed my life because, you know, I've been touring with the uke. Um, I'm, I do a lot of teaching with the ukulele as well as the guitar, keeping the guitar going. But the, the biggest thing has been composing, actually. Initially arranging, which was almost like an apprenticeship for me to learn about the instrument. Um, and studying, you know, music of Karulian saw it was really insightful in into how they um, composed on on the guitar, and then just thinking that through and applying that to the ukulele. So then I started composing, and and that's been in a way a revelation to me because it was something that I'd never thought about until I was playing the ukulele. It, it just you know didn't really occur to me that I should try to compose in a serious way. So that's that's been the biggest change in my life to actually now be creative, which I it, it's I love doing that. It's it's amazing to to explore the different sounds and the textures um, and also to keep learning as well about the instrument and learning about harmony and counterpoint and all these other things that seem to just wash over me when I was, you know, much younger learning the guitar <laughs> and theory. I love the theory of music now I'm fascinated by that so it's just opened up so many doors which I think it's important because like getting older you know you can you can start to sort of shut down and 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 do you know what I mean and then yeah so I reached a certain point where I kind of felt like I was just kind of cruising into old age um and then there were these opportunities to you know to extend myself and to stretch myself um so that I think is important as you get older to have more interests and and to keep learning. I think that's so important. Keeps your mind going. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, Sam, thank you so much for talking to me today. It has been a pleasure and I'm going to try to listen to more classical ukulele from now on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, well there's there's plenty out there now. If you check on um if you check on YouTube, there's there's loads of people doing classical uke, so which is great. And I think there's more more people getting interested in it all the time, which is exciting. So it's it's going to be really exciting to see where it where it goes. But actually, I also wanted to say mm. the other thing that's really changed my life is is getting out and meeting people more. Um, and going to Australia last year was just it's just one of the best times that I had in in years. Actually, just going back to Australia, stay with my mum for. For a few weeks and my brother and that was great and and then just you know going and meeting Kathy and Angie down at Valor Beach um, and Ruth at Port Macquarie oh, yes. uh, and then I went to Sydney and I met you know a whole bunch of great people there and then of, of course crossed Western Australia and and the channels and they were just amazing people to stay with and they've become all those people have become friends which that's, you know, the other thing that's changed my life. If I hadn't played the ukulele, I wouldn't have done any of that or met those people. So yeah. I'm really grateful for that as well. And I think all the ones you mentioned have been on the podcast mm-hmm. too. <laughs> <laughs> the team. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for talking to me today. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Ukulele is the New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and I performed it with Jasmine Fellows, Jeff Skellums, Jim Croft, Paul Marsh, Chris Williams and Sandra Shaw. Seth Carrero does the graphic design. For more information about Sam or to buy her books and CDs, hurry now to get them in time for Christmas, go to samanthamuir.com and also don't forget to look up her YouTube channel, Sam Muir Ukulele. If you want more information about any of the things mentioned in today's podcast, there are links in the show notes as well as a playlist with songs relating to today's episode on the Ukulele is a New Black YouTube channel. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and tell your friends. Episodes are released every second Monday, and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. It's the new blood.